Hi everyone, welcome to the Draft Talk podcast brought to you by 99 Yards. The Draft Talk podcast is exclusively about the NFL draft. Each week we're bringing you analysis, interviews, mock drafts, our infamous top fives and much, much more. I'm your host Brian and I'm joined by our Draft Talk team, Owen, MJ and Stu. How are we feeling guys? We've just a month left till the draft. Nervy, only a month out. I've got so much Pretty left much. to do. <laughs> I know, yeah, it... it, it... You think there's plenty of time for the draft, don't you? Once Super Bowls come, there's weeks and weeks, and then it's just time whizzes by, and it's getting closer and closer with all the pro days now. So it's getting down to the to the finer details, isn't it? Yeah, and looking forward to two more position groups and and two position groups that often go up against each other during games. So that should be good. It's a great news that the draft's actually going ahead in Cleveland as well. That should be a really good. Yeah. Yep. As MJ hints out there, we're looking at two more positions this week. We're going to go for tight ends and linebackers in our top fives. But first, let's have a quick look at uh, another mock. We've got the NFL UK mock, which is taking place this week. A collection of the UK's finest NFL media personalities filling the roles of GMs in a full seven-round mock. Uh, that team includes Johnny and Duncan, both writers, 99 yards. Uh, they're drafting for the Bengals and the Raiders, respectively. Um, now, as we record this, we're sort of halfway through the draft, uh, but we've had a quick look. What do you think, guys? Any any picks sticking out for you? Yeah, myself and Duncan are probably going to be falling out. Did you see who Duncan picked in the first round? He picked my friend oh, Greg it, Russo. Yeah, it's um, a brilliant so, pick. Brilliant pick. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've, I've not spoken to Duncan since that pick, so uh, he's, uh, he's probably not speaking to me either. So, yeah, that, that was the one that stood out for me, and he, he'll have a good laugh about that one. Uh, I like how you said the greatest UK minds there and none of us are taking part in it. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, second to our one. <laughs> yeah. I did. Go on, Andrew. Sorry, I did, I, I did think that um, the people in the, in the top 10 got a little bit excited uh, because we had four quarterbacks straight off the board and then Kyle Pitts and then Chase Waddle and Devonta Smith went six, seven, eight. And it was like the top 10 picks were really, really excited about offensive prospects. Whereas, as actually, I mean, that didn't happen when we did our first mock draft, particularly with the wide receivers. I don't think it'll actually happen when it comes down to it. But the other one I did pick out, which I thought, I think there is a good chance that it happens. I think there were seven offensive tackles. If you include Vera Tucker in there, there were seven. Um, and three to seven were kind of skewed to the back end of that first round. And I think that is something that could happen. No, absolutely, and you spoke there. But wouldn't be surprised if a majority of the oh, the majority of the top ten will be um on the, on the offensive side of the ball. I don't see many defensive players being picked in the top ten there. But the, the one specific pick that, that got me was uh, our friend and colleague Johnny um, picking for the Bengals at five, picked Pitts over over a tackle. I think if that was to happen, uh, there may be riots on the streets of Cincinnati because uh, they are desperate for Penny Sewell, aren't they? And uh, uh, to pass up on uh, on someone like that for Pitts. Yeah, I think uh, Johnny upset a few people with that pick. And uh, I think it was to keep, um, I don't know, did he want them? Um, who did the Eagles pick after that? I can't remember. Uh, Chase, uh, Jamar Chase. Yeah, he's probably wanting someone good for the Eagles, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Very strategic. Yeah. yeah, I did think, I mean, it, it goes back to that saying, doesn't it? Um, it's very hard to throw a football when you're lying flat on your back. And that's what Joe Burrow would be doing if they pick Pitts. You know, they've, they've got to go offensive line first round. And as we'll see, there are plenty of tight ends you could pick, aren't there? Uh, oh, you, you're good at this plugging. <laughs> <MJ>. <laughs> I'm trying to big it up. I'm trying to big it up. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the one, the one that jumps out for me, um, and I think it happened before the news came out, but that was uh, Caleb Barley, who's picked um, by the San Francisco 49ers at pick 12. We touched on him last week. He's one of our sort of top cornerback prospects. Uh, but as I say, it's come out in the news in the last couple of days. Uh, unfortunately, he's got he's got a bit of a back injury. He's going to have a bit of minor surgery. Now, what they say is that he'll be fine for training camp and things like that. But it's, uh, it's his second injury, pretty big injury in the last couple of years. Um, and I don't know, do we think that'll affect his draft stock much? Come on, Dr. Stu, we've got to come to you first. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a back injury is always a concern for anybody. And the, the potential for things to, to go wrong with back surgery is maybe higher with some other surgeries. But I think with, the, with that, he, if all goes well, being back in training camp, healed up, I don't think it's going to affect his draft stock dramatically. Um, because we won't know what his outcome is going to be by the time of the draft. Um, so I don't think it'll affect his draft. Or whether it affects his first season, it might do, depending on how quick he recovers. But I, I don't think it'll affect his draft stock hugely. Yeah, so I, my, my take on it was that with his injuries, if it was anyone else, you're probably not taking them in the first round, right? But the, the fact that he's got, you know, he's such a good player and he's got such a high, a high ceiling probably means he doesn't fall as far as maybe some others would. Uh, with, with the injury. Um, I do think that um, both Sertan and Horn are probably picked before him now. I think that he, he will probably fall um, far enough for that to happen. And we'll, we'll see if it's if he falls enough for someone like Newsom or Stokes or someone on the back end there that, to jump in front of him as well. Um, I guess in terms of for, for teams, you just can't be seen as wasting a first round pick anymore, can you? I mean, not that we're comparing the two, but you look at what's happened with Isaiah Wilson. Uh, obviously, the, the situations are completely different, but you know the, the flack that the Titans are getting for, for what is now seen as wasting a first-round pick last year, that you have to do your, your, your due diligence, whether that's um, you know in personality or in medical. So, yeah, teams are going to have to make sure they go deeper than maybe they, they would have um, on Farley. And, yeah, it makes it a difficult one to predict now. And this week, we're on to the tight ends and linebackers in our top fives. Let's start off with the tight ends. Uh, Owen, kick us off. Who's your top five? No, do we have to? Okay. <laughs> so, number one will be no surprise to anyone. It's Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Number two, I've got Pat Fryermouth from Penn State. Number three, Hunter Long from Boston College. Number four, Brevin Jordan from Miami. And number five, I've got Trey McKitty from Georgia. Thank you. All right, MJ, yours? So, number one, Kyle Pitts from Florida. Number two, Pat Frymouth from Penn State. Number three, Brevin Jordan from Miami. Four, Hunter Long from Boston College. And five, the excellently named Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. Fantastic. And you, Stu? Yeah, so probably not much surprises here. My top five is the same as MG's, but in a very slightly different order. So I've got Kyle Pitts one, Pat Fremuth two, to no surprise, Brevin Jordan at three, Tommy Tremble at four, and Hunter Long at five. But it was a bit of a slog that three, four, five, two to get anything that was wonderfully interesting to say about any of them. That's the family friendly way of putting it. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you the proper way to put it offshore. Uh, I'll tell you the proper way to phrase that off, uh, off air. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're all very excited to hear about them. But let's start off at the top with our number one tight end. That's Kyle Pitts. Uh, from what I've seen, it looks like an absolute beast. Um, but Owen, oh, kick us off. Tell us more about the tight end from Florida. 
there's not a lot to say other than this guy can do it all, really. Um, he's an absolute juggernaut, just dynamic, just a pure athletic weapon. Um, I think you could probably slot him in a, a, on any offence and um, there's probably going to be no one better to slot into an offence in this year's draft than a, than a Kyle Pitts. What this guy does in terms of whether that's uh, route running, contested catches, run after the catch, check down slants, he can really do it all as a receiving tight end. And I think you're probably going to see a lot of teams value him as, as more of a receiver than uh, than maybe um, slotting inside. Yes, yeah, so if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're going to line him up, um, on the line and if you're going to slot him in um, on the inside then that's that should be a sackable offense because you, you don't want to use Kyle Pitts in that way if you if you want someone's going to do that get someone else the, the one question mark around him is going to be his blocking as I just hinted to there but I think it's probably been a, a blown out of proportion a little bit um, I don't really see anything wrong with it it's fine it's average as I said if you're going to use Pitts in that way then yeah just don't draft someone else um, because it's his receiving ability that really makes him a top class player and probably a top five player in this uh, in this whole entire draft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's not really much to add other than it. it, it ridiculous numbers. His his average uh, yards per catch last year was was seventeen point nine, which you know is, is ticking towards twenty, which is the stats that we're, we're lauding like Jamar Chase and, and um, Devonta Smith for. Yeah, it's almost um, Jalen Waddle-esque, those numbers. Yeah, yeah, it's it's ridiculously dominant. I'm reminded that Darren Waller had a 200-yard game last year, um, which was amazing. And I just think that that just could become reasonably regular thing for for Kyle Pitts. He could he could have one of those games each, each season easily. Um, red zone weapon and... I, I I just think he, if if you exclude the quarterbacks, he he is quite easily could be first non-quarterback off the board, and I would say he's even now on paper in the running for offensive rookie of the year. You know, with, without a snap having been taken. Yeah, I think one of the things when I was watching Kyle Pitts as well is that he made Kyle Trask look very good, and a lot of people started speaking about. It earlier in the draft process about Kyle Trask. And I think that was mainly down to Kyle Pitts more than anything. Um, when you were when we were looking at the wide receivers, we could have almost put Kyle Pitts in the wide receiver group and he would have cracked the top five easily. He might have cracked the top two or three. Um, when, when you add in that he's going to be an absolute mismatch, um, who's going to cover Kyle Pitts? Um, is, is going to be the, the difficult thing. Corners are going to be too small. Linebackers are going to be too slow. He's going to be a quarterback's best friend, whoever he, he, whoever he signs for. Um, and he's only, he's only going to be just 21 when the season starts, so he's got his best football ahead of him as well. Um, he's a really exciting prospect, and I really, really like Kyle Pitts. There we go, our consensus number one, uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, that's Kyle Pitts. So on to number two again. Everyone's number two. That's Penn State, Pat Fryermouth. What's to like about him, guys? Okay, so we're now on to a bit more of a purist tight end in terms of his role. Uh, he's he, He's got that kind of nickname that's that's already, uh, we'll, we'll stick to him of a baby Gronk sort of figure, a Rob Gronkowski sort of figure. It's it's less razzle-dazzle than, than Kyle Pitts. But again, he's going to own the middle of the field. He's going to get the job done. He's blocking... Um, will also uh, assist you at your run game. Um, and he's a typical NFL kind of size for, for a tight end. I think he's a really safe second round pick. 
Um, and if I was somebody like the Bengals and I went, I did want a tight end, but first round I wanted to go offensive line. I, I could see him being early second round and there you've given Joe Burrow a bit more protection and a nice safe option as well. Yeah, I think he's just exactly what you've said, MJ. He's just a good, solid tight end who will be effective. He'll play his role well. He'll be a good team player. Um, he will give what he's got for, for any team that he plays for. Um, he, he's just a solid, reliable, steady player. And teams need those kind of players as well. You know, you, you need these guys who are... To, to give it a, a 7, 8 out of 10 every week, um, giving a bit more of the, the football kind of grading. But, you know, he just just a, that solid, steady player. You know what you're going to get. They're not going to let you down. They're maybe not going to be the best player on the field every week, but they're certainly not going to be the worst player either. And I think that kind of describes Pat Frermuth. Yeah, he's got a really high floor, hasn't he? But um, he, I do see his, his ceiling as being a bit higher than we're maybe giving him credit for. I think this guy's criminally underrated, I'll be honest. He was my top tight end in the summer. And I think if it wasn't for his injury this year, we might be talking about him a little bit more. For me, he's he's going to be a first-round player. I'm going to have a first-round grade on him and I'm going to have him as a top 30 player on my big board, uh, which I'm putting together at the moment. I, I also think that, that some teams may value what, what Fryermouth does more than they value what Pitts does. And by me, that's not um, degrading Pitts by any means because Pitts is by far the better player. But I'm talking about... It depends on, on your scheme, doesn't it? Like, as I said with Pitts, if you're going to line them up inside, then then there's no point picking him. If you're wanting your tight ends to, yeah, to line up inside, take on blocking duties, then Fryermouth is probably going to be your better option. And you, you, you are going to get less of an offensive weapon, but that's not to take away from what Fryermouth does in the in the passing game as well, because yeah, he he definitely can receive. He's been, you know, as a as a red zone target, he's uh, he's very good. He's going to be kind of like that um that Zach Ertz type like um type tight end, and I think that's going to be really valued by uh, by some teams. Yeah, so for me, yeah, Frymouth probably the most well rounded tight end uh, that I've evaluated this year, um, and in probably in the last couple of years as well. I mean, when you see guys like Hunter Henry and John Smith getting paid big money this offseason there is teams who really do value good tight end play um, and I thought he might have been someone that if New England didn't pick up those people that would be somebody they would have been looking at with uh, probably not maybe not the first round pick but if they traded back from that spot and they decided that that's what they were going to do he, he would be someone who could fit into that type of offense really well and um, so so there maybe is a bit of a value coming back in good tight ends again well we shall see uh, up next one to Brevin Jordan who uh, was Stu and MJ's number three tight end. Uh, so MJ, kick us off. What is it you like about Jordan? With my third and fourth picks, it's a little bit like taking picks one and two and just dialing it down a little bit. So, so Brevin Jordan, similar to Kyle Pitts in the in the role, in that you know you could you're looking at him more as a receiver, more as a, a, a big bodied receiver. Um, you've got three years of, of production there. He is dynamic. He's a he's a monster after the catch. You know, good luck bringing him down as soon as he's got the ball. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's all about what sort of tight end do you, do you want? And again, I think if a team is looking for that more more of a receiver tight end, then then Brevin Jordan is, is perfectly serviceable as a as a day two late day two kind of tight end. Yeah, I think he, he looks reasonably good when he's got the ball in his hands. But for, for a big guy, I don't think his catch radius was particularly good. 
he doesn't he doesn't extend particularly well. He takes a lot of it into his into his chest and wants the ball into his body quite a lot, which which would be decent in traffic, but um I don't know how much that will be helpful in, in like the red zone and things as well for him in his but yeah, as I say, he, he could take the ball into his hands, he can run with it. He's he'll he will find a functional role for a team. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Whether he's going to be a spectacular tight end, that probably he might surprise us. But he'll be a pick for somebody who who are looking for someone to fill that kind of role. Yeah, so this is where we start struggling, isn't it? So yeah, Jordan's my number four. I've only got a couple of things to add to that. What you've already said there, really. The first one being that I don't think his blocking is given enough credit. Um, I, th- I think that it's it's reasonable enough. Miami constantly lined him over defensive ends, and he was able to hold up his own. So. I don't see that being a major issue. Uh, it may do against some of the bigger guys, but, um, but it's not overly concerning for me. And then the next thing, just as a pass catcher, I really like what he does after the catch. Uh, he's really good with the ball in his hands when he when he gets into space. So that's something to watch out for as well. There we go. That was Stu and MJ's number three. Uh, your number three, Owen, was Hunter Long from Boston College. What is it you like about him? Very similar to, to Brevin Jordan in a way. It's, it's, it's a, it's a toss-up. I mean, looking at why I've got long in front, I, I can't really give you a, an answer to that, just that it's, it's just a, a preference thing. Um, I think he's he's like a prototypical tight end in terms of size, whether that's height and weight, uh, and just in the way he wins as well. Um, I think he's good enough as a blocker. I think he's good enough as a pass catcher. Um, I think he's going to be um, serviceable enough for, for any team but serviceable being the key word there. Yeah, there was probably not much to add about that. He, he was, he's my number five guy, I think, but it was just a bit of a, who's going to go where, where do you slot them in? Um, he, he made the top five, but I, I, I could have had him three, I could have had him four, I could have had him five, and I think he'll, have a, he'll carve himself out a decent career at the NFL level. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's not overly dynamic or, or explosive, um, he's he's very good at winning at the catch point, as you've said, and he's he's a decent decent blocker. Um, his his stats were pretty good in terms of number of catches and and yards. He was targeted quite a lot, so he was obviously a very safe option um, for for Boston College, um, and and that's something that some teams will will value as well. Um, so I think I can see him carving out a role definitely. There we go. How excited we all are here. <laughs> Just got to say, we're just like serviceable and carving out a role. It's not very uh, exciting, is it? <laughs> We're on to our, uh, our penultimate tight end. We've got Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. Uh, Stewie was your number four pick. Is this a player who's going to make defences tremble? Oh, that's oh, another Stu, bad Stu, pun. Stu, you're in back there. in for yeah. next week. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. Yeah, there was no dodgy puns or anything yeah. from me, I'm telling you. Yeah, um, Tommy Tremble. What is it to say about Tommy Tremble? The guy's a beast in the running game. He he loves a bit of contact. Um, I don't think you're going to have him as your pass catching tight end if you're picking a tight end. Uh, Tommy Tremble is not the guy for you. But if you're a team that plays a bit of an outside zone run, you want an extra person on the line. He shifts guys. He he is not afraid of putting guys on the sidelines in some of the tape. He's um, really really good run blocker. And I think if you already have a good pass catching tight end. And you want to add to that maybe some of these teams who have got like a Darren Waller or a, a George Kittle, but you're looking for somebody else in that tight end room who can take on a different role. Tommy Tremble might be one of those guys, but he, he was certainly the best of the run blockers that I saw out of the tight ends. And, and if that's who you're looking for, um, yeah, Tommy Tremble might be your man. 
Yeah, I'd completely agree with you there. I when I was looking at this, I'd, I'd picked four, and okay, after you get past the top two, it's it's almost like you know, it's it's all much of a muchness. And I think I was in the middle of you know it being a toss up between Kenny Yeboah and Trey McKitty, and then I watched Tommy Tremble, and I thought, well, that's something different. Um, and the the one thing I put here, it was he really means it when he's when he's coming in to block, he means it. Um, and again, it's just a completely different sort of player to Pitts, to Fryermouth. You're right, his production numbers are not going to be great at all. But again, he is going to be... I, I think he would be really valuable on a team. And I think his teammates would absolutely love him because he's going to clear a path for somebody in the running game, isn't he? Yeah, and I can't remember who it was I was watching against him. He didn't want to take the guy out of the pitch. He wanted to put him through the pitch. He was just, he's yeah. just once yeah. he's got hold of them, they, they ain't going anywhere. And it was quite fun to watch that actually. It was just something a bit different when we were plugging through these guys who kind of do the same thing. There we go. You'll, you'll be glad to know this, this is the last tight end we've got. So, um, I want to finish us off. You had uh, Trey McKitty from Georgia. Uh, how did he sneak into your top five? Because there wasn't anyone else. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's that's not fair. Sorry, Trey. Uh, so yeah, so one, the one thing you notice straight away is uh, is is his production. Last year, transferred over to to Georgia, production absolutely fell off a cliff. Targeted only eight times, six receptions, one hundred and eighty yards all year. Yeah, what's he doing in the top five? Uh, fair question. Partly, it's just down to how bad this class is, um, and that I do think he'll probably be a much better. NFL tight ends than he was a college tight ends just because of the size he has. He's got 11 inch hands as well, bigger than the, what uh, Rob Gronkowski's are. I think he's going to have value both blocking and receiving. Um, size means you're going to be able to mismatch him if you want to, line him up over a safety, happy days. Definitely isn't the finished article. Probably going to be a mid-day three pick, but yeah, he might be a, a valuable pickup in later rounds. I think he was a guy you text me at the senior bowl said had the best name at the senior bowl. No, that was Racy McMath. What a guy. Also, it was, yeah, that was, yeah. Trey McKay was love maybe a bit of Racy the, McMath. Yeah, Trey Kitty maybe made the top few names, I yeah. think, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah Racy McMath sounds like he should be on countdown or something. Yeah, LSU receiver. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he gets drafted. He, he'd have, he's one where he probably would have been better off just sitting out 2020, wouldn't he? Because, as yeah. you say, he was he was severely impacted. I mean, the 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 quarterback play didn't didn't help him, and I, he's got some he's got some nice traits. He's he's a good athlete. He does move well, and as you say, that you know the hands in terms of the catching, it, it it's got to be. Um, he's he's good in the catch, and he does create separation when he gets the chance. But yeah, his last twelve months have not helped him at all. Well, moving on from that very exciting uh, tight end chat, it's uh, it's time for the linebackers. It's our very final defensive top five check out the other podcasts for our uh, other top fives defensive backs defensive linemen but today let's crack on with the linebackers so uh, Stu start us off who's in your top five pump up the energy now <laughs> yeah let's 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 fire up a bit so uh, number one which um, hopefully will be everyone else's number one as well is Micah Parsons at uh, number two is Jeremiah Ousakoromoa at uh, number three Zavin Collins number four Baron Browning and number five Jabril Cox uh, MJ, hit us with your five next. Okay, so similar start. Number one, Micah Parsons. Number two, Jeremiah Awosu koromoa Number three, Zaven Collins. Number four, Nick Bolton. And number five, Jamin Davis. And finally, Owen, who's yours? 
Okay, yeah, uh, again, Micah Parsons, Penn State, number one. The Jock from Notre Dame, number two. Number three, Zayvon Collins, Tulsa. Number four, Nick Bolton, Missouri. And number five, I've got Charles Surratt from North Carolina. There we go. And again, we've got a bit of agreement at the top. And let's start there. Micah Parsons, he went number four in our live draft a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what's so good about the Penn State linebacker? We'll start off with you, Owen, since you've got a Parsons jersey on. Absolutely love this guy. There's three guys that I love, four guys that I love in this draft class. We've, we've covered all of them. This is my last one. So we've got Kenny Gainwell. We've had Rochelle Bateman. We've had Andre Sisko. We've now get to Micah Parsons. Uh, yeah, I run out of superlatives for this guy. Yeah, for my money, Parsons is the top defensive player in this draft. I think you could argue he's a top five player overall as well. I think he's that good. When it comes to ranking linebackers, you're looking for a player who can play all three downs. They can, um, they're productive in the run game and they're productive in the passing game as well, right? And he's outstanding at both. That's exactly what Micah Parsons does. Just unbelievable in the run game and in the passing game. Uh, enough so that I think you could um, you could play him over the edge at times. He did that at high school. Uh, he isn't an edge rusher by any means. He'd be wasted there. Not saying that, but you could absolutely utilize him in that way in certain situations if you wanted to. Can drop back into coverage and do that superbly as well. Just an absolute impact player on every down. Um, he'll be able to, he's one of those linebackers that will just be able to take over games. The NFL is moving towards them, aren't they? And, and he is one that could absolutely just, just take over a game and win you a game uh, from the linebacker position. Yeah, run stuffer, pass rusher, ability to rush the pass is probably unrivaled in this in this linebacker class. This guy's the real deal. Truly, truly just an outstanding footballer. Uh, yeah, special, and I don't use that lightly. Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing about Micah Parsons was he was a, a five-star recruit when he came to college, but not as a linebacker. He was a five-star running back. And I don't fancy him uh, running against me because he's a beast of a guy. Um, but he he can do pretty much everything you'd want a linebacker to do. Um, I think that he is absolutely just plug and play. He's, he's ready. Um, I don't think he'll let anyone down. And if you, if you spend a top five pick on him, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. He could be... Um, transformative for a defence um, in the right system. Um, we've had a couple of young linebackers go early um, recently, particularly two years ago when we had, was it two years ago when we had um, Devin Bush and Devin yeah, White Devin, go in the top 10. Yeah. They, they went in the top top 10. This guy is easily in that class, if, if not better. Um, and I don't think any anybody would be disappointed with picking Micah Parsons. Yeah, I think, and there'll be some recency bias here with the Super Bowl, weren't there, where teams will have watched the books and they'll have watched Devin White and they'll go, I want one of those. I need one of those on my defence. I've just got written down here, um, Mr. Everywhere and devastating. Um, and I, I, I think that's that's how I would sum him up, really. I think I would agree with what you've said there. I'd, having t- talked about the tight ends before, this is where I'd like to see Kyle Pitts versus Micah Parsons. That would be interesting to watch. Watch that in a game. I can't really can't really pick any holes in his game. He's a really quick reader of situations, and I just think I think he'll go early day one definitely. Yes, yeah, so the only thing that will stop him going early day one, and some people do have him sliding, is those character concerns. And there's going to be some people who listen who are listening to the podcast that go, "Why are you rating him so highly because of those character concerns?" But uh, we're recording this on a Thursday, and his, his pro day's just taking place, where he's putting an, an absolute blazing performance, and he has addressed some of the issues, which is unusual for for players to come out and speak about this stuff, isn't it? Um, 
we don't really know um, what the what the, the concerns are. Just that it re relates to a charge when he was uh, when he was seventeen. Uh, just to read a, a quick quote, because I think it is probably relevant here, isn't it? That um, to quote him, he's put at the end of the day, I believe it, um, I believe that I was a kid. I was 17, 18. We all made mistakes when we were 17, 18. I'm not going to let it control or dictate the person I am now. I'm not going to let someone something that was three to four years ago dictate who I become and the father I want to be. Anyone who's willing to accept my wrongs when I was wrong and accept my rights when I'm right, I'm ready to go ahead and give you my all. But if it's going to come down to something that I've done in high school or something I wish I could change, I can only control what I can control and be the better father that I am today. So obviously his character's massively improved, hasn't it? Um, I, I don't think anyone could uh, have qualms with what he said there. Yeah, I think fair play coming out and um, I guess owning it. And like you say, well, like he said, it was a couple of years ago. He seems to have grown up since. Um, There'd be pl players, plenty of players out there that wouldn't have, um, wouldn't have faced the, the music there. So fair play to the guy. Yeah, I think that shows a level of maturity as well, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. To say, yeah, you know, own the mistakes. Yeah, there's no excuses there. He did, he didn't make any excuses for what he did yep. or whatever that might have been, but he 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 owned up to it and, and took responsibility for that. And that that's quite impressive. And I think teams will look favourably upon that attitude that he's taken to it as well. Yep, good stuff. Well, that was our number one. Now onto our number two consensus number two linebacker. It's Notre Dame's Jeremiah Awushukuramare. I think I did okay there. Just the uh, job. The yeah, job. the job will do that. Um, so, other than a cool name and a cool nickname, uh, what's it like here, guys? Um, explosiveness. I think he is a, a a very instinctive player as well. He's he's someone who who looks for the ball. Um, I think he'll do really well in the NFL. There's a lot of teams playing sub packages, and I think that's where he might find his his role. Um, he's one of these kind of almost hybrid type players, strong safety linebacker. Um, I think he's got a bit of everything. He, he's he got good lateral speed. He he locates the ball well. He he's, can stick with a man if he needs to. He might need to shore up his tackling a little bit. Um, but again, it's it's not anything that I don't think would, would cause huge amount of concerns. Um I think the only concern I have, and I don't know if it's a concern, is where he goes. Um, I think we saw it particularly um, the other year with Isaiah Simmons. He was going to be this defensive all-star. And I think he went in a situation where Arizona, up until maybe the last couple of weeks, really didn't know what to do with him. Um, and I think if, if Oisa Koromoa ends up somewhere like that, that's where his struggles might come. Um, but if they've got a team who, who has identified him knows what they're going to do with him and what he's good at, uh, I think you've got a real player there. Yeah, I think I think it was on uh, the Move the Sticks podcast, Daniel Jeremiah, where uh, him and Bucky Brooks said, that if you're going to draft him, you need a plan beforehand of what you're going to what you're going to do, and that's where the Cardinals maybe went wrong last year, where they they didn't know where he was going to slot into that defense to to maybe like the last six games of the year where where he started to put some stuff together. You, you see Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons there, you could say Jeremy Chin as well, which was maybe the opposite. Whereas Carolina yeah, they, mm. Carolina knew exactly what to do with him. Exactly. And, and he, he he looked a better player last year, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And it just shows you, doesn't it, that where you land in that rookie year does does go a long way. Um yeah, and for that reason I, I don't think he's a plug and play 
player. Um, I think you 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 know you are going to need to to have a plan and a scheme of how you're going to utilize his skills successfully. Because yeah, I've, I've also got Rinda hybrid player, fantastic in coverage and will offer that versatility to to maybe inspire a defense into something great. Um, and you're going to be able to see him play over the slot times as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, he's got the ability if he's used in the right way to revolutionize a defense. Yeah. Absolutely agree with everything that was that was said there. My notes are very similar to what you you must have written down. Um, I think on the side here, I got written lightning in a bottle because his explosive nature. And if you go back and if you watch watch some of the hits that he puts on people, and, and he's only coming in at around two fifteen, something like that, and he hits a lot harder than that. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the scheme. It's all about the packages that you put him in uh, to get the best out of him. Okay, we started to uh, deviate a little with our picks next. Um, so let's go to Zayvon Collins, who MJ and OI both had as their number three. Uh, what do we need to know about the big guy from Tulsa? So Zayvon Collins, this is this is almost going the other way now because we're at 6'4 and about 260 pounds. Um, but this guy doesn't move like he's 260 pounds. It's astonishing how athletic he is. I think he was one of the players that I... I for the teams that I was drafting for the first time we did a mock draft, I think I picked Zayvon Collins for um, for somebody in the twenties. It might have been Cleveland, something like that. But um, he's got great versatility. When I was watching him, for somebody who's who's two hundred and sixty pounds, he he drops back into zone and doesn't look out of place and can and can move quite easily, quite fluid sideline to sideline. When I looked at his stats, his his stats for I think it was for interceptions were higher than I'd have thought. I'd have thought he might have been blitzing more, more sacks than interceptions, but actually he he picks the ball off um, at will and he's got uh, footage of it. I think there's something like about an 80-yard, you know, return for, for a touchdown. I think he's a great story because he's a small, small school player, Tulsa. I think that's the only place he got an offer from. And he went all the way through to win this trophy, this Bronco Nagurski trophy for the best defensive player of the year. So I think he's a, he's a great story. And I, I just love I just love him. He's high high IQ player, and and again I think towards the end of the first round he's probably gone. Yeah, absolutely. He's a first round player. Yeah, got both size and production, uh, as you said. Uh, what I like is I, I love the way that he he sometimes sits back at times and his anticipation, his intelligence, he's just able to read the quarterback's eyes, which I really like in a linebacker. Obviously, you're not going to do that all the time, but it's good to be able to to kind of quarterback that defensive front in that way um, that's, that's how he got a couple of his interceptions as well because of his size I think it's, well, it means he's super physical plays really aggressive at times as well so yeah he's definitely one to, to watch out on year one yeah I think I'd changed my order when I said it on here to what I'd actually sent you Brian I think I had Zayvon Collins I'd changed him to my number three as well I noticed I'd sent my three and four the wrong way around here so yeah he was my three as well um, and and I don't probably have much to add to that. He he's a big guy. He's he's slightly different to the a lot of these kind of hybrid guys. He's not going to be your hybrid. He's going to go and play safety or, or over the slot. But that's not where you want him. Um, you want him you want him parked in the middle of that defense, um, orchestrating traffic. Um, and again, he's he's going to be a good pickup for the teams. And I think in that kind of tw- after the twenties range. He's probably going to go, um, and he'll be a, he'll be a good pickup for whoever decides to pull the trigger on that one. Yeah, he did change your order, Stu, but put it, it's okay. I'll let you off. Yeah, back to you, Stu. You have Baron Browning as your number four. Uh, not a player I've heard much of, so um, fill me in. What what we're we missing here? He is going to be a player you either love or hate. 
Baron Browning, I think, and he's a player that I'm, I'm quite happy to bang the drum for. I like to watch him, Baron Browning. He's a guy who's been a bit of a slow burner um, in, in his time in, in, the, in the college ranks. He, was, he came in as a five-star recruit, um, and the defensive coordinator who decided to bring him in left very quickly after he arrived. So the, he, he played predominantly more as an outside linebacker in, in, in high school, and they played him a bit more essentially. He was a bit more of a rotation player. And he kind of struggled to find his feet a little bit. But this year, they moved him back to more to that outside zone. And I thought he was really very good in that position. And I think that that's that where he's going to be. He's not going to be a Mike linebacker. And I don't think that's where you want him to play. He he gets after guys. He's a strong hitter. Um, I can see him only growing into that type of role. I think that he has all the, as he's a five-star recruit, he's got all the athletic tools. I think with a bit of fine-tuning, we could be looking at somebody um, who outstrips where he's drafted. Um, I really liked him, and he's somebody I'd be, um, I'll, I'll maybe hang my hat on him, and he might be somebody that comes back to bite me, but I really enjoyed watching his tape. Yeah, I'm going to have my Simon Cole moment. Don't get it. Um I'm not on the Baron Browning train at all. All I heard from you there, Stu, was excuses for him. Not getting <laughs> it. Do not get the hype. Um, for me, his play, yeah, yes, okay, this year it was okay, but take a step back. Couldn't get on the field his junior year. Was beat out by other Ohio State um, linebackers who were in this class as well. So Tough Borland, Justin Hillard, Pete Warner, all beat him out. He just isn't what he's been built up to be for me. His production's been low. He's never had an interception. Just isn't a game changer. I don't know if what he brings is overly transferable or valued by an NFL team. He's going to be my palace forward, isn't he? He's get, is he getting in someone's the bin? Someone's got to have one. If, and, uh, sorry, it has to be going in the bin. If someone had picked Dylan Moses, they would have gone in the bin. But instead, Aaron Browning in the bin. Guess, uh, guess, guess who you're getting the DMs from this week? <laughs> <laughs> Baron Brown's um, mom. <laughs> yeah. So I will, I will um, pull the splinters out of my backside as I try and like sit on the fence a little bit here. But yeah. So, so rotational player for uh, Ohio State, and I've got that he's a really, he is a really good thumper. Uh, he likes coming downhill. He does need to work on the football IQ. I've got that he he can make some really big plays. He's kind of flashy. He's not necessarily reliable all game, but he's got some big plays in him. So, so you've got something to work with there. Just to try and reclaim some dignity. I don't think that he's undraftable like Paris Ford. <laughs> I think he will get drafted. I just don't see him. I think um, I, I think the draft network have him ranked in their 20 top players. And uh, yeah, he, I don't see him being yeah. there for me. I, I think in he might 20s, be. A, that, that is rich. I yeah, be early 20. day three uh, grade for me. I don't see him um, being up that high. There you go. Probably someone who's in top 20 in the bin in that, that sort of range. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to have to become a feature, isn't it? Who's going in the bin this week? <laughs> uh, uh, up next, we've got Nick Bolton, uh, who was MJ and Owen's number four pick. Um, so, MJ, kick us off. What do you like about Bolton? Okay, so Bolton, similar to, to Browning, we've got another guy who's coming downhill. Um, another guy who is more valuable against the run. If if there's a knock on him, it's is he needs to improve in in his zone coverage. Uh, he is a dynamic blitzer though, and he's a tackle machine. His number of tackles, his production on tackles was was really high. 
Um, he's a little bit undersized and he's only just just six foot. Um, so I think I'm getting into where I'm in, I'm, where I am now on my top five. I'm starting to get players where, yeah, I, I can pick little holes with them as well. But I, I really like the number of tackles and I really like him for uh, an, a player who is going to improve your run defence as much as anything. Yeah, definitely. So for me, he plays nasty and he plays violent, which I guess going through watching these players is a, is a trend, isn't it? Because these smaller guys have to, uh, you know, they tend to be the ones that play nasty and play violent. Um, he's going to destroy you in the run game. Uh, he's going to stop running backs in their tracks. For me, he's a first-round player. He, he has the attitude that you want as well uh, because of that nastiness and ruthlessness. I do think he's a sneaky good athlete. I don't think he's been given enough credit there. Um, there is some fluidity to his game as well. He's got a good turns, good hips, explosive in short spaces. Uh, yeah, just a tough, tough player. There we go. Now, sort of, uh, not, to the, not to the dregs, but the uh, the, <laughs> the final picks. Uh, we've got, Stu, you got had LSU's Jabril Cox. As your number five pick, what is it you like about him? Yeah, I I like Jabril Cox as the run and chase them down type of linebacker. He he's very very quick. He's a he's a fluid athlete. Um, he's going to get after people who get to the outside, and he's going to be the guy who's overtaking the other linebackers to even if he's coming from the opposite side, he's absolutely flying past people to tackle them. He he's only had one year. At the, at the top level of college football um, and in a team that dropped off quite a bit from where they were the year before. But he was the, he was the standout defender for me in that LSU team. Um, he transferred up from, from North Dakota. He, really, really, he had a really good spell and he was a, a, a graduate transfer and he had loads of offers, um, particularly from Alabama and LSU. So some big teams wanted him to come and play for them. Um, he's handled that step up with ease, I think. Um, again, he's probably going to need a bit of time to be refined and polished. He's not quite at that. We're going to plug and play him every down. Um, but he's got something about him, and I think he's got something that teams can work with. Something that the way that sometimes some teams play the linebackers, they're not all going to be these big hitters. You're going to need these other guys as well. And I think he would he would be a complementary to to what other teams have. Um, and I just liked what I saw when I, when I was watching him play. Yeah, I, I like Cox a lot as well. Um, oh God! Do I really just say that? Oh Christ! Okay, we <laughs> that's that definitely in? not getting out. That's <laughs> not getting out. Yeah, you're in charge in. of editing, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, um, a, a good athlete, as you said. Uh, I do like him in coverage. Where I worry about him is, is in the run game, as we said. I don't see him being super physical um, or great in the run game, which is, is kind of a feature when you get down here. Because my uh, the, my pick at number five, Charles Surratt, you could say exactly the same thing for. But yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, I, th I think they're almost kind of similar players, aren't they? Um, him and Surratt, they have some same kind of traits yeah. that you're looking for. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I, I've got coverage speed written down here. Um, you know, see it, see it, chase it. I think the the, the athleticism and the 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 quickness, the explosiveness are there. Um, as you said, needs possibly needs to add a bit to the power and the tackling. Bit of an inconsistent tackler, but I, I really liked him as well. Oh yeah, talking about Chaz Surratt, go on Ryan, tell us, uh, tell us what's good about him. Yeah, so again, he's a really difficult one, isn't he? So a, a bit like uh, what we were saying about Cox there. I like him, I like the skills that he brings um, and what he does, he does really, really well. I do worry about those red flags slightly. I don't think he's as strong or as physical as he needs to be. And I, I think he needs to add guts to his game, if that makes sense. He just needs to add a bit of, I don't know, a bit of something. 
the issue is he, do, he doesn't play tough enough and he can get swallowed up at times. But then you look at what he brings and, and that's just pure athleticism. Um, his 40 at his pro day, it wasn't great, but you, you know, the speed shows up on tape. So I'm not overly concerned there um, because he is super athletic on the pitch. As we were saying with Cox as well, uh, ability to read the offense is really good, which you know you would expect because he uh, he was recruited as a quarterback. Um, he then um, changed position after an injury because he did play some games at a quarterback for for uh, North Carolina before um, uh, before he changed position after an injury. Yeah, just his overall skill set is complete in the in coverage, but I would like to, him to add some of that that run stop into his game. The things uh, as we said before, uh, that's why he's in my top five here. But there's definitely some question marks. He's another one of our senior ball guys, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he 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 flashed at, at times in the senior ball as well. So he he handled that kind of situation quite well. Um, he he's he's athletic. He's he's quick, and and you're right. He needs to maybe. Again, he's probably going to have to be a bit nastier. Yeah, that's it. Um, he's he's still playing. I, I wonder if he's still playing the game as a quarterback at times in his mind. Yeah. Um, and 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 that that may just come with playing the position more and more and more. He realizes that these guys are just going to come steaming at him. He's going to have to do something about it. Um, but yeah, again, he he's probably going to go somewhere in day two. I find him quite a difficult player to to, to grade where he's going to go. He could go anything from middle of second and then slipping well into the third round. I, I don't really know where to place him. But he, again, he's got something that teams can work with. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I've, I've got here the speed and the, the football IQ, which are, uh, are positives. He, he took a leap in 2020 and, and he was looking more refined and a bit more polished. And that, just, that process just needs to continue, doesn't it? He obviously hasn't played the position for particularly long. Um, he's athletic. He's got, he's got a good pass rush, and I think he's he is a raw prospect, but he's one that um, the right situation he could really develop. Last but no means least, MJ finishes off. Tell us what you like about Jamie Davis from Kentucky. Okay, so down at position number five, and I wanted to take a bit of a risk here. There were others who we've already just talked about. There was Baron Browning, Jabril Cox, there was Chas Surratt, and I, I liked all of these guys but I saw very, very sort of similar things. And I started to hear some buzz around, around Jamin Davis, bit of a one-year wonder. Um, so I had a look and I've just, I've just gone with the, the really raw guy. I wanted to talk about him on here. I didn't want to miss him out, particularly to see what, what Stu and, and Owen think of him. A lot of instinct there. There's a lot of, a lot of promise. He's, he's quick to read the game. He's, he's tall, he's rangy. He's a little bit like Koromoa in the way he goes about his business. Um, particularly if, if he's rushing, he's he's going to evade people to get to the quarterback if he's if he's blitzing. He's not particular. I mean, 6'4", 234. So he's he's as I say, he's long, he's tall, not particularly a a a big hitter up to the Zavin Collins kind of size. But I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, he, he's one that's rising, isn't he? He's, he's one that maybe hasn't been talked about um, very much at all in the last couple of months, but he's a name that's definitely been thrown about a lot now and uh, a lot of big boards are going to have him there ranked in the, the 30s or the 40s. Yeah, I, I do I do like what he does. I'm just not sure he's going to go uh, as highly as, uh, as he's maybe um, being worked out as. I'm going to have to admit I've probably missed out on him much. I haven't really watched very much of him at all. And it's maybe someday I'm going to have to go back and watch again. Now you've brought him up, MG. He kind of bypassed me a little bit when I was looking at the linebackers. Um, so I've probably not got much to add to him. I'm going to have to 
uh, do a bit more homework on him before I kind of make a, much of an opinion of him. I think you can be excused for that because I think he's passed a lot of people up, and, uh, yeah. and that's that's he's just he he seems to have come from nowhere. Just was it the last couple of weeks? He's just his yeah. name just keeps popping up all the time, and uh, that's for a reason. Yeah, it's it's just just over that last month or so that his name is it keeps cropping up in in different circles talking about the draft. And as you say, he's he's risen kind of out of nowhere to somebody that they're starting to talk about as as definitely a day two prospect. Yep. Well, there we go. That's our eight top five linebackers, which doesn't make sense, but also does make sense. Um, and that's all our defensive prospects done. So yeah, check out the other, pos- the other podcast to uh, check out the defensive linemen, the secondary, and then obviously re-listen to this if you want a bit more linebacker chat. But overall, guys, what do you think? Is this a good class for defensive players? Uh, no, not for defensive players, but good for linebackers. Uh, I think overall it's quite... It, it, the draft is overwhelmingly offensive in terms of of how good they are uh, but there are there are a few stands out uh, standouts we've we've done the the cornerbacks last week haven't we if you, you know three or four of them stand out uh, and i think a few of these linebackers do i do think it's a, it's a sneaky good class this linebacker class is going to be a lot of value you're going to get there uh, but over overall uh, no it's not great on the defensive side of the ball yeah you you're not really looking at often in drafts gone past you're looking particularly at the edge rushers you know, that get a lot of people excited at the top end of a draft. You had Chase Young last year. Um, years gone by, you've had people like Miles Garrett, who've been the number one pick. And going back a few more years, you had the people like Jadavian Clowney and things. You don't have that at this top end of the draft. And I think that's maybe what takes a little bit of the excitement away from the, the defensive side is when you've not got the, particularly the elite pass rushers that people want. Um, so it, it might not be the, the strongest at the top end, but there's a lot of depth further down in the positions and that's maybe where teams will be looking to to use a value is in the in the later rounds maybe rather than the first round unless you're going for you know if you if you want a top end corner um, you, you're going to go in the first round some of the other positions you can maybe afford to wait a little bit more yeah so this almost brings us back round to the start where we were talking about that NFL UK mock draft and the number of offensive players who were taken in in those top 10 positions and, and that is how the first round is likely to, to pan out um, with very few except the very cream of the crop on, on defence who get taken day one. Good stuff. Well, talking of offence, those who've been keeping tabs will be aware the only position group we've got left to do is the big one, the quarterbacks, uh, which we'll do next week. So keep an eye out for that. Also, we'll be doing an interview with NFL draft, draft expert Daniel Parlegreco. Um, he'll have some great things to say, so keep an eye out for that. But that's it. All we've got time for this week on Draft Talk. Do check out the website and our Twitter, 99yards, for more news, views and articles. We'll be back next week with more Draft Talk. Thanks for listening.